Hi, and welcome back to Be All Podcast. This is Ivy McMillan coming to you from Tyler, Texas. And this is Lacey Taylor coming to you from Los Angeles, California. This is Booyah Podcast, a podcast about the paranormal. It is. And you guys, thank you so much for listening. We had a brief hiatus because life happened, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, But we're back and we're so excited. And I know I say this every week, but we have a lot of exciting stuff on the horizon. So stay tuned. Shout out to listener Joey for her comments on our Booyah Podcast Facebook Yes. Oh my gosh. Hi, Joey. We think you're in Australia and you're named like a baby kangaroo and you're <gasps> our favorite of the week. So thank you for reaching out. It seriously made our day. Yeah, that really did make my day. I woke up feeling glum and that turned it all around. Um, and then thanks, Rachel, uh, for your review and for sharing a link with us today. Yes. Oh my gosh. So Rachel is a listener, if you remember who recommended that we do the crescent hotel um which was an incredible suggestion turned out to be a great episode um but then she sent us a article today where apparently they dug up did you get to read it no ivy okay i was so i was at work when she sent it and i meant to do it later well from the title i assumed that what they found was um for listeners who haven't heard that episode yet there was a man who owned a hotel that was basically peddling a fake cancer cure so i thought they found bottles of his fake cancer cure no 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 no. well maybe but they also found he would take tumors out of people who died from their cancer and like preserve them in alcohol and put that in bottles and that's what they found oh damn I know. And the people who, I, I don't know if it's the people who own the hotel or um, now or like manager or whatever, but basically they were like, when we bought the hotel, they told us that like they had taken all of these things to a dump site, which we assume was like a legal dump site that they, it was like pre-approved, but what they really meant is they like buried it in the backyard of the hotel. Oh, like no, we just dumped it <laughs> yeah, somewhere at a site. site. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's crazy. Thank you so much, Rachel. Um, everyone else listening, thanks. But if you want to shout out, you gotta reach thanks, out one but... on one. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, but not really. Um, no, we appreciate you from afar. That's right. So this week, I was trying to. <laughs> my original idea was Easter ghosts because <laughs> Easter's coming up. Easter's my fave. Um, all I could find was like jesus christ (laughs) like stories of jesus rising and stuff and then we're that's not really our uh shift in this podcast we're not trying to do get into that territory yeah but you know so it's hard enough it's hard enough to do a comedy podcast about ghosts that aren't jesus i can't even imagine oh right like trying to tread lightly enough (sighs) i'm stressed just thinking about it um i did not know easter was your favorite I love Easter so much. What do you love about it? It's, Jesus Christ saving your soul? That's right. Day? That is correct. <laughs> no, um, well, it is the most fun church holiday for me. But also, I don't know. It's all about rebirth. It's spring, which is my favorite. Um, it's happy. You get to wear cute outfits. Um, everything. Oh, you look good in cool colors. This is explaining a lot to me. Okay. Well, I just love a spring frock. But... Uh, 
yeah, no, I don't know. It's just a happy time. And, you know, the family gets together. It feels like the the happiness after the, the gloom of, like, winter. You get to rock out with your frock out. I get to rock hey, out yo. with my frock out, which I love doing. So, um, yeah, so Easter Ghost didn't really pan out. I couldn't find any, like, hauntings or anything like that. And then we were thinking, like, spring. Spring has sprung. Spring cleaning. Exorcisms. And then a while ago, you had come up with the idea of doing an episode about demonologists Ed and Lorraine Warren. I'm so excited for this episode. And the story that I'm going to actually do isn't one that I knew when I started looking at them. I think I started looking at them because of Annabelle. Um, But this story is crazy, so I'm really excited to get into it. Yeah, I've always been interested in them. I've, I think I've seen The Conjuring and A Haunting in Connecticut. And, okay. of course, Amityville Horror and stuff. So they've always been in the peripheral thing of, you know, the films I creepily watch in the morning while I drink my coffee. <laughs> uh, but. Well, Amityville Horror was one. I was spending the night with a girl who was, like, cooler than I was but decided we were friends. Was I'll it tell you me? It is. <laughs> Her name was Ivy. No. We were always equally cool. And we've been perfect since we've known each other. Um. No, I'll tell you it is in just a second. But it was already like this slumber party where I felt like I was out of my league, the fact that she had asked me. And she was like, you know, it's fun. Let's watch a scary movie. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fun. But inside I was like, I can't do this. This (laughs) No, no. But we watched Amityville Horror in her apartment. And then she like immediately fell asleep and I just stayed awake probably almost the entire night. Just like eyes as wide as I don't even know. Oh, that's horrible. Being scared of ghosts or just being scared at someone else's house is the worst. It's the worst. And when you spend the night with someone and they fall asleep before you, that's already like, for me, that was always anxiety inducing. And oh, then yeah. I was like, someone is going to come in here with like an axe, right? It was an axe. I think it was a shotgun, but... Oh, a shotgun. Okay, whatever. Scary. Insert scary way to kill someone here and, like, murder us all. But that's what I remember. But I haven't seen the other ones because, ironically, I love scary things. I love learning about scary things. But scary movies, I don't do it. I don't watch them often. I like them. I don't know if it's just that they seem super not real to me. The ones are... I don't know. There are some that I really haven't, that really disturb me that I haven't liked, including Hereditary. But um, that, that, Spencer was the same. It, it messed him up for a little bit. I didn't feel similarly somehow. Yeah, it stuck with me for a couple days. But um, anyway, as long as they're hokey enough, I can usually be okay with scary movies, like as long as they're cheesy. Yeah, that's fair. Something about spending the night at someone's house and being scared. That's happened to me so many times. Also, waking up before them is... uh, That's less creepy, but it's just not, like, fun. But uh, I distinctly... would you... What would you do if you you woke up before them? Well, I'm thinking of one specific friend that she always slept in on weekends when I was there. And she had a trundle bed that was full of, like, Seventeen magazines and, like, Cosmo Girl and all that stuff. So I would just read her magazines. Ooh. And so well, I was... she subscribed? She was. She was cool. Okay. I and, was going to say, she was cooler than me, too. But, I mean, I did. I spent the night there every weekend, like, Saturday and, 
or Friday and Saturday night. So I ended up reading the same ones over and over again while oh, I w- w- no. waiting for her to wake up. But it was okay. I, yeah. If I woke up though and someone wasn't awake, I was like, fuck this. I'm out of here. Call my mom. Come and get me. I'm not waiting around for you. Nice. I yeah. waited. Usually pancakes or something. Or I'd be, that one friend, I always stayed like all weekend at her house. So. That's fair. That's fair. I was like, I guess this is my life now. My mom came to pick me up one Saturday or Sunday morning and her stepdad was like, hey, you want a drink? She was like, no, because it's 10 a.m. Like she said that. And he was like, oh, you're one of those people. (laughs) He was he was a real. No, he really was. He he I don't know if I can say who he is, but he was a famous television person for a while. What? Well, you have to tell me. Well, it's probably okay. His name is Bill Tush. He's still alive. He uh, had his own show in Georgia for a while. And like Jan Hooks was on it. And that's how I met her at at their house in Woodstock. And um, wait, who's Jan Hooks? She was on SNL. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So he kind of had his own like sketch show type thing. And then he was just a TV personality for a while. And he would he lived in. New York or he was working in New York City they lived in Woodstock and he just did random stuff so she was always like meeting Aaron Carter or like doing really cool shit oh for a second I thought you were talking about Jan Hooks was meeting Aaron Carter and I was like well yeah of course she can she was on SNL (laughs) no my friend was. was she met Britney Spears and her birthday cake was when they started doing like when they could make a picture on a cake yes and it was of her with britney spears and i was just like well fuck me (laughs) okay i would have stayed at her house as long as i could exactly i mean yeah she was and also no wonder she had a trundle bed with cosmo girls right she was cool she is cool i don't know if she listens (laughs) i can't believe you have friends that aren't me yeah i'm famous and i have so many friends if I could have met Aaron Carter when I was, like, 11 years old, I would. It makes me cringe because she and I wrote <laughs> a letter to her sister from Aaron Carter <laughs> that was like, it was so nice to meet <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to tell this story. I'm horrible. Wait, does her sister still, does she know? She knows. That it was you? Yeah, I think so, actually. Oh. <laughs> We said that he was going to come for her on her 16th birthday. <laughs> so C-U-M or C-O-M-E? No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. That was... Don't what? Do that. Nothing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I just... I heard it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I will visit you on your 16th birthday and we will be together or whatever. But she she figured it out eventually but when he didn't come for her well yeah no it took a long time for her to figure it out oh i'm sorry for that if you're listening yeah (laughs) should i not say her name (laughs) oh my god i was gonna say she was a little bitch but she was like my friend's little sister My friend wanted to put Nair in her shampoo, and I said no. Okay, you're a good person. I'm a better person than that girl. A good <laughs> <person>. <laughs> no, um, 
All right. Well, I think that that will suffice for a nice little intro for our listeners. So uh, what do you say we get started on the story? Let's do it. Yeah, I know you guys have really missed the mindless chatter, but you're here for that hot meat. And so first we're going to talk about the Warrens and then we're going to talk about some of their more notorious investigations after this quick break. Ed and Lorraine Warren were American paranormal investigators and authors associated with prominent cases of hauntings and demon activities in the United States. Yeah, they called themselves demonologists. Yes. Uh, Ed was a demonologist and also a World War II United States Navy veteran and former police officer. He became a self-taught demonologist. You really can do it all, folks. You really can. And then Lorraine, uh, who is still alive today, professes to be clairvoyant. She describes herself as a medium, a light trance medium. I thought light trance was like a type of EDM music. Probably. That's exactly what she means, I think. I think you're right. Um, They founded in 1952, they founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, which is the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. Um, I came across some really New Englandy stuff, like on one forum, which the I guess people have described them as pure Blarney. Oh, what's Bl- like the Blarney stone? Like you can bullshit? I guess so. Have you kissed the Blarney Stone? Well, actually, this is going to sound like you set me up to tell this story, but you did not. But I'll tell you anyway. Ooh. I went to the Blarney Stone to kiss it. But, you know, I'm afraid of heights. I've gotten better with time. But at the time, you have to, like, go up all these windy stairs. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got there, I was so psyched out. And you have to lay down mm. over this, like, gap. You've done it. Yeah. And kiss it. And I laid down and I leaned back, but I looked down and was like, nope, fuck this. And I didn't kiss it. But I got this close. Well, that's good that you didn't. I mean, it does give you the gift of eloquence. So obviously I have that and you don't. I have class and you don't. Don't you parent trap me. Parent trap me. I know. I know what it is, Ivy. (laughs) No, no, no. Um, So I kissed it and then I was talking on... AOL Instant Messenger or something uh, as a teen. I guess MySpace. I don't know. An Irish lad was talking to me somehow. And I was like, oh, cool. I've been to Ireland. I kissed the Barney Stone. And he was like, LOL, well, local lads go up on piss on it at night. And I was like, oh, Ew. dope. Okay. So he's like, so no one actually does that. That's, so don't do that. Is that like me. someone being like, I was like, yeah, I went to the United States once and I went to Six Flags. And you're like, I pissed my pants repeatedly there, so. Yeah, I've literally, uh, I don't even know. That's not true for either one of us, but that would be like saying that. Oh, and the other New Englandy thing was that somebody described them as having fish stories, which are stories that slip through your fingers when you try to take a grasp of them. Oh, <laughs> like, okay. okay. So is your general consensus that they're slippery? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, and this is a highly debated thing. And I looked around on Reddit, on some of the paranormal subreddits and stuff, just to see what the general consensus is. A lot of people think they're frauds. Um, A lot of people think maybe there is some truth to it. But that they capitalized on that and exaggerated it. Um, Yeah, or that it like started as something pure hearted that they believed in and maybe as, as time has gone on. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I'll give you a little bit about how it started. So Ed Warren grew up in what he described as a haunted house from the age of five until 12 in Connecticut. So Ed said that his family would go to bed, and around 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning, he would hear the closet door just starting to open up. Kind of a shapeless darkness would form, and then slowly a light would begin to form in the middle, and it would morph into a ball shape or orb. And then he would see a face in that ball. And he said, quote, this is called a ghost globule. Oh, no. Globule. I feel like if you get to choose the name of something. Don't make it a globule. Don't. Yeah. Let's just decide that. Globulator. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ew, it's like a pustule. Ew, that is just like pustule. Um, and so, quote, this is a quote from him, in that globule was a face, face of an old woman, and she was not looking at all pleasant. The globule would then come out into my bedroom, and then accompanied by audible footsteps and heavy breathing. The room would then become icy cold, an unnatural cold, a psychic cold, and I'm saying to myself, Ed, there's a logical reason for everything. But by that time, I was out of bed and right between my mother and father and theirs. Oh my gosh, that's so scary. And I feel like, what he said... Five to 12. Yeah. That's not an age where you're like maybe 12, but five, you're not even aware to like make these things up or you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think children are a lot more susceptible to seeing, being open to seeing spirits and things like that because they don't, you know, their minds are open. And exactly they don't know yet to even think like of what exists and what doesn't or what's possible and what doesn't i remember being little and there was a i had a little black like dress for a witch costume that would hang in my closet and i remember one night laying and thinking it was moving and my mom came in and just said that my mind was playing tricks on me and she was probably right. I mean, like, but yeah. then, but I was so horrified by the idea that your, like, mind would do that to you. And I think it was right. It was like I was staring at it for so long that it started to look like it. And it was, like, associated with being a scary witch right, dress. Right, right. So, like, I don't know. But. Well, that's, I don't know if I ever told you this, but when I was, like, probably five, I was staying, my parents have been divorced basically my whole life. And I was staying at my dad's house. Um, and I had a fever dream, which I'd never had before. And I, I, I like went to bed not sick or not knowing I was sick and I got fever and I had this dream where these waves of what I thought at the time were like molasses or tar. Like I was outside of it, but I was watching these waves just overtake people. They'd be on picnics or sitting on chairs or whatever. And I was watching it and I couldn't help. And I woke up. I was so scared. I like went and got my dad. I couldn't even like put into words what I was feeling. I was so scared. And then when um the tsunami happened in Sri Lanka when we were in high school, seeing those images, I was like, oh my God, this is like almost exactly what I was seeing in that dream. Like I think Whoa. it, yeah, it was so weird because I was, when I was little, I thought it was like tar or something, but I was like, no, it's like dark waves. It was, it's one of the most bizarre experiences I've ever had. I'm not saying I predicted that in my dream. I'm sure yeah. I saw it somewhere else, but it was one of those things where it was like, this looks so familiar. It's almost like a photo image of this fever dream I had. That's crazy. Thanks. Crazy. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I hate me. <laughs> um, 
That's really crazy. I uh, That's cool, though, kind of, in a way. Yeah, well, I mean, I just think that, like you were saying, the younger you are, the more open your brain can be, the more connected you are to things that aren't really within grasp for yeah. adult humans. Right. So that was Ed's childhood, and so he already, you know, he didn't want to believe in ghosts, but he did because of the ghost globule. Um, and then when he was 16 years old, he started working at the movie theater and that's where he met Lorraine. She used to come with her mother every weekend to go to a movie and he crushed on her. Stop it. Yeah. I get it. She is an attractive little lady. I mean, I know she's still alive, but. But yeah, one night he walked her home, asked her out on a date, and then pretty much that was history. Uh, on his 17th birthday, he went into the Navy, and four months later, his ship sank in the North Atlantic, and he came home for a 30-day leave, and they got married. Oh my gosh, so they've been together forever. Yeah. That's really cute, but wait, was he, sorry, this might be a really dumb question, was he on the ship when it sank? And then they were I think like, so. That was yeah. stressful, you get to go home. Yeah, survivor leave, I don't know, he got 30-day survivor leave, so I, I think so. Wow. Um. But after the war, he came back, they had a daughter, um, and he went to Perry Art School, which is a subsidiary of Yale, and he went there for two years. Oh, I did not know. Yeah. One day, he decided that he could paint better than his instructors. He told Lorraine, like, he was having to learn math, and he was really good at painting better than his professors, and he was done. So he dropped out, and they bought a car for $15 that I think they had until they until he died. It was a 1933 Chevy Eagle. No one cares. Oh my gosh. How do you know this? Did you talk to Lorraine today? No. No. Is um, Lorraine your grandmother? <laughs> Sounds like something a grandmother yes. would tell you. But um, the way that they started to make money was that they were selling his paintings. So they would travel around New England during tourist season. People were coming to look at the leaves in Vermont, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and selling the paintings for 4 or $5 each, which at the time was pretty good. Interesting, because I was like, this guy is full of shit. Like, I, I was kind of thinking, like, oh, you're one of those people who, like, talks big talk and never quite made it in anything else. But no, he's, like, actually. Well, he's this- been interested in the paranormal since he was a kid. And um, and so kind of through his artwork, he started getting into that again. So he was looking for things to paint, and he was interested in paranormal stuff. So he would find out about a haunted place and get Lorraine to go with him, and then he would paint it. And um, sometimes that worked oh. out for money, too. The people would be like, why are you painting my house? And I guess he'd be like, it was haunted. <laughs> or he would paint it. I guess he was doing these paintings with, like, ghosts coming out of the houses sometimes. His own. Ma'am, ma'am, do you know how many globules live in your house? <laughs> yeah, this is just chock full of globules. Look at how many globules there are. <laughs> yeah. um, and Lorraine back then used to say, oh, Ed, there are no such things as ghosts. Oh, Lorraine. I know, but he would... Little monkey. Yeah, but he would remind her about his experience as a kid, and she would go along with him. Okay, so actually, so this is how they would get into the the houses that they were starting to investigate, was he would go out in the middle of the street where everybody could see him and kind of make this big show of sketching and painting this house with ghosts coming out of it. And they'd go out and be like, what are you doing? And, um... She, Lorraine, with her, like, charming personality, would be like, your husband really likes to sketch and paint haunted houses, and he made this for you. 
And then they were a lot more likely to let them come in and, and kind of conduct their investigation themselves. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm looking up his paintings right now. Oh, my gosh. It really is just like a house and then there are ghosts. Is it like sheet ghosts coming out? Like um, ooh, like I, our Booyah logo? It does seem to be a sheet ghost coming out of perhaps a cemetery. He went to a subsidiary of Yale. He did. But he was better than his teachers and left. Oh my gosh. Next time I don't want to do anything anymore, I'm going to tell Spencer I'm better. Than like your boss. And I'm me. better than the workout instructor, so I don't need to go work out anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is something I thought was interesting. Um, this is a quote from Ed Warren about the paranormal. Um if you look at a fan and it's standing still, you can see the propellers very easily. But if that fan starts up, you can't see anything. It's invisible. Spirits are on that different vibrational field. They're all around us right now, but you can't see them. If you were like Lorraine, you could see them clear visually, hear them clearly. I... Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Saying that out loud for the first time was... Yeah, fun. like clair- clairvoyantly, clairvisually, Audio. There was no R, but oh, I Cla- see the picture Claudia-ly. you sent me, and that is exactly what I thought it would be. Oh man, this isn't very good. <laughs> no, he's better. He's better than the Yale. Yeah, the ghost just looks. I don't know, kind of like you white out of it, but um, no. But so what I thought was interesting was likening it to a fan and its blades, where like you know how if you kind of squint or blink fast, you can see the individual blades too when it's on. Yeah. The times that I think that I've seen ghosts, that's how it's kind of, it reminds me of that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've told the story before about me spinning around, I think I have, to make myself dizzy and seeing the man in the doorway yes. on one turn and then on the next turn he was gone. But I saw him so clearly that I could, you know, see what he was wearing and everything. But as soon as I focused on him, he was gone. Yeah. Um, same for any other time that I've thought that I've seen something or somebody. It's, just, it's in my peripheral. It's kind of there. And as soon as I focus on him, it goes away. That so. makes sense. And I was telling you earlier when I was telling you um, my grandmother passed away recently. And I've never, like, seen a ghost. I've never experienced a ghost. But there are things that happen that if you're open to believing that whether it's the universe or spirits or whatever it is are winking at you or nodding at you or, you know, these slips are capable of happening. If you believe that, then things that you perceive, like because you believe that there is a world in which a man could be in the doorway one second and not in the doorway the other, you can see that. Whereas someone else would probably write that off who didn't believe it and never think about it again. Even if maybe they did see the same thing. And I feel like, I don't know, that was a weird way to put it. But like, I was just telling you earlier that I had a a thing happen to me where I felt like the universe was kind of reassuring me. But there are people who don't think that way at all. And if you're not open to it, even if things happen to you that might be spiritual or a ghost or something like that, you're not going to chalk it up to that. Clear eyes. Open. Full. Full. It's not open heart. (laughs) My bad. (laughs) Full heart. Can't lose. I thought it was clear eyes, open heart, 
can't see booze. Can't see booze. Oh my gosh, we almost called this Friday Night Frights. This whole we really did. Podcast. Okay, we've joked Thank about God like what did. we've almost named it before, but we really did almost we name did this almost Friday name because Friday Night Lights is so fucking good, and I will fight anyone so who disagrees. Good. I'm a Taylor, and all I want to be is Coach Taylor's wife. Oh my God, Tammy Taylor is an inspiration to any woman. When we have children, I'm going to make Spencer coach something that they do so I can walk up to him with a glass of wine in hand. A huge like, glass of Chardonnay and be like, baby, it, it's really not, not so bad as you think. And I, and I love that you think that. And I love how you are with those boys. I mean, she's always like, yeah. and I, I support you. But I support you. you know what? <laughs> and I'm also pregnant. Yes. And I'm drinking wine. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that too. Texas. Yeah. Um, Anyway, Warrens. Yeah, so the New England Society for Psychic Research was founded in 1952, and the goal at first was simply to just investigate these hauntings. Around 1965, the Warrens went into a home where the spirit of a little girl named Cynthia was said to be, and they listened to the child coming through a deep trance medium. So I guess that's different than a light trance medium. So from what I'm getting, a deep trance medium would be like, obviously deep in the trance but like so deep that like afterward they wouldn't remember what they said maybe like they were so into it that they kind of almost became maybe possessed or something like like sorry to reference harry potter during this time but i feel like professor trelawney when she mm -hmm. would be like spewing out prophecy that she had that had come forth and then she would go back to normal and not remember it. That's a deep Yes. Trip. Yes, Queen. Spill yes. that tea. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. Because Professor Trelawney used tea leaves. Yes, she did. Um, Give me a second. So, yeah, exactly like that. Whereas the light trance medium, which is what Lorraine was, I think was more like, you know, she stayed awake and present, maintained her own personality while receiving messages from I see. the other side. So, but in this situation, they were with a deep trance medium when they heard from Cynthia. And the message said that she was looking for her mother, oh. um, who was deceased. Ed thought to himself, this is horrible. This child is earthbound. She's looking for her mother constantly, day in and day out. What do we do to help her? Um. So from that point on, it wasn't just curious anymore for them. You know, it, they decided that they actually needed to help and get involved. Right. And they decided when they got involved, like, that they they wanted to at least talk to somebody about it. Like, not just go for it on their own. So they started interviewing dozens and dozens of clergymen, priests, rabbis. Uh, they just talked to people of all different faiths and asked them, if somebody called you from their parish and said there was a ghost in the house, what would you do? And so this can be seen as kind of sketchy because maybe they were looking for somebody that would kind of lend authority to their right, right, right. thing. Because I think that they were going to end up charging money or at least making money off of their stories. Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, it's that thing we we talked about a little bit with Crescent of, like, when you are desperate, when you are scared, when you are... Um, when the foundation of your life is shaken, right? Such as illness or death of somebody that you love or 
a ghost in your house, like, who do you turn to? You turn to the people that you trust most. Doctors, clergymen, all of that. And so, yeah, I could see how that would be sketchy if you're already thinking about, like, profiting from these people who trust you and I don't know. Yeah. They um they ended up being mostly into Catholicism and Catholic priests. Uh, Were they Catholic before this or they chose it because of the I think they chose it because of the line of questioning. So the New England Society for Paranormal Research, their their work is based in religion. Um, okay. But they also use science, is what they say. And I said that they charge. They don't. They don't charge. They just ask for their expenses to be covered. Oh, okay. Wait, are they religious? Yeah. Okay. They're Catholic? No, we don't know. So, people have said that Ed Warren hides behind his beliefs of Catholicism. But he claims that he uses them, not hides behind them. Or claimed that he used them, not hid behind them. Okay. Um, and quote, I know that biblical beliefs are fact because I've seen and I've heard and I've felt all the things that it talks about. Interesting. Well, and I mean, they, you know. Is there a swarm of bees in the Bible? I'm sure. Not that I'm you aware of. Know. I know. I know. It's hard to believe that my vast knowledge of biblical trivia doesn't cover the bees, but. I was blown away when I went to Sunday school with you as someone who never went to Sunday school and you killed it at Bible trivia. I know. Actually, I'm glad you said that because Spencer is scared that listeners who don't know me are going to think that I'm like... Evangelical. That I'm like a Mennonite or something. I am not. She is. I am. I am. (laughs) And this podcast is the most backdoor way for me to bring you all into my religious sect. No, I just grew up in the church. And I went to, for a hot second, I went to a private school, which is where most of my, like, obscure biblical trivia comes from. Correct. So their career kind of took off. They are said to have investigated over 10,000 cases. They wrote numerous books about their investigations. um, And some of those are very famous, which we're going to talk about a couple of them today. Uh, some of them have been adapted or inspired films. Um, Ed passed away in 2006, and Lorraine is still alive today. She's 91 years old. Um, as of 2013, she was speaking at conferences and stuff still, and oh, wow. still active in the paranormal scene. So, yeah, um, that's kind of a brief history of them. And then, you know, we might get into it a little bit more as we talk about both of these stories about them, but yeah. Perfect. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you about my story. It may come as no surprise that it is highly controversial whether or not... um... Is that because you're a controversial gal? No, because the Warrens were controversial, so it makes sense that a case they were involved with might come into question or come under fire as legitimate, so... We'll be back right after this. So my story is the story of the haunting in Connecticut. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. There was a stand-up one time, I can't remember who it was, but she was like, what's 
so scary about Connecticut losing your tennis racket at Pottery Barn. <laughs> That's really funny. There were no tennis rackets lost at Pottery Barn in this story. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay. Um, you said you've seen the movie. I have not seen the movie. Um, what were your general feelings on the movie? I liked it. I like everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> if listeners of the pod have noticed every song, I'm like, oh, that's a jam. Yeah. <laughs> I also like most movies, too. Uh, yeah, no, it, I, I enjoyed it. I think I saw it in the theater and I was frightened. But I feel like that's the basis on which you have to judge scary movies. It's like, did it do its job? Was I scared? Okay, it was fine. Yeah, now I have to laugh, too, though. That's true. And Us, you guys, I just said that, but Us is a good, is one of the best movies I've seen in a very long time, not just horror movies. You should go see it. I haven't seen it yet. I want to so bad. It's go so funny. See it. The mixed reviews I've heard, like the ladies I play tennis with were like, it's um, it's very different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to love it. They don't know. Go get lost in a pottery barn. They don't know. It's, <laughs> watch it. It's so good. Um, But anyways, that is not this, which is The Haunting in Connecticut. So it is a movie. The movie is, um, we'll get into it in a little bit. It is based off of a true story. It's obviously not the true story. Um, And a lot of people even question if the true story it's based on is true. So our story starts June 30th, 1986 in Southington, Connecticut, when Carmen and Alan Snedeker move into a first floor duplex um, of a larger house with their three sons, a daughter, and a niece. Um, The three sons are Philip, Stephen, and Michael. Their daughter may or may not be Tammy. It was kind of unclear. And then their niece is Kelly. And she was living with them because her parents were getting divorced. Um, And the reason that they had moved to Southington, Connecticut, is their oldest son, Philip, had cancer he actually had hodgkin's lymphoma and he was getting treatment uh for this disease at yukon uh medical center in hartford so hartford is a college town it's expensive southington is outside of it cheaper so all is well until they're moving in when carmen and alan go down into the basement uh and they find some strange things so some of the things they found are embalming tools Coffin handles, coffin pillows, a blood draining pit. Uh, a blood draining pit. How did they know that's what it was? I think context clues. Right. Oh, yeah. Everything okay. else happening. Um, or maybe they knew after and were able to say this is what it was, but I don't know. Um, a gurney system, like a pulley system, mm-hmm. or what they would later find out are coffins. And even some pictures of dead people. Great. Tucked away, yes. Also, just scattered about, the kids and the parents are finding toe tags and uh, head-like nameplates. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wait, so was it a... Or I won't... I, oh, sorry, I'm just jumping ahead like an Easter bunny rabbit. Oh, my gosh. Sprinkling. Um, okay. You're not wrong. So... Y- Whatever you're about to ask, I think, was probably, was this a mortuary? Was that your question? Yeah. Because that would be appropriate. The answer is yes. Okay. Okay. Um, So before um, 
1980 when a man named Daryl Kern bought the house. Uh, the house had actually been Hallahan Funeral Home, and it had been that since the 1920s. Um, Carmen would later say, the matriarch of this family would later say she had no idea that it was a funeral home, um, that when they moved in, there was actually like materials in front of the basement for renovations and so they couldn't open the door um there was a sign in front of the house that said hallahan funeral home but she would say and neighbors some neighbors would attest to the fact that it was actually covered with plywood at the time so she says they didn't know the landlord says yes they absolutely knew just keep that in mind um, Do you know that I lived in a former funeral home? Yes. And I'm so glad you said that because you mentioned that in passing in our Salem witch trial thing. And I just passed over it like we didn't need to discuss it. And we absolutely need to discuss it because I don't know anything about this. Yeah. So it's weird. I've lived in several houses that have had weird histories. Like I lived in one that used to be an old folks home and was turned into a duplex. And then I lived in that house and in both of those houses I had this horrible heavy feeling all the time and I was always terrified to go up the stairs like the feeling that something was behind me and I thought that was just like normal part of being a kid until I lived in other houses where it wasn't like that and you know in the house I lived in after that uh, a woman had taken her own life in the garage and and I experienced stuff there and so (laughs) let's just say ghosts were part of my childhood but no in the house that was a funeral home it was dark and I felt watched a lot in my room but nothing I never actually saw anything that I can remember um it, the house had a lot of weird like nooks and crannies like laundry chutes and weird places and stuff yikes well was there anything that made it feel like it used to be a mortuary other than nooks and crannies was there anything like leftover from that no, time. I don't think so. I think that it was an old house that ended up being used as that okay. and then was turned back in, you know, rezoned for residential use or whatever. But um, but in my room, there was a weird there was like a built in desk and a weird contraption thing Then I made up in my mind. It was like a little I'm trying to think if a desk is built in and then it had like a flap that you lifted and. I guess it would have been, oh. like, a, a laundry hamper or something like that. Okay. But I made up in my mind that that's where they kept all the organs. <gasps> but, I mean, obviously, you wouldn't just shove organs into, like, or- a built-in cabinet. <laughs> but oh, my gosh. Well, maybe that's I where I they kept the toe tags, but they took them all with them when they left, like, responsible business owners. Not like Yeah. The one, and actually, one weird thing was that it had, like, industrial, like, the kind of carpet that you would find in an office in the night like that flat hard brown yes, carpet burns the shit out of you yes yeah i had that on the stairs so running up those from the ghost was a real bitch oh my gosh oh poor baby ivy i had no idea where was that like geographically where were you avon new york okay. outside of rochester gotcha um yeah i mean that's the thing where there is death and dying in any form, there's sure to be some kind of charge, you know, spiritual charge, I feel like. So, old folks home too, I'm sure there's a lot of death. And I don't know if I told you this, but when we lived in Houston, Spencer lived in a house that 
a woman had died in. And he, there were a couple like, have I told this on the podcast? I can't remember now. Um, but basically there were like some time slips like with music playing. Mm-hmm. They found some like pictures of her in the boarded up chimney. Yes, I remember mm-hmm. that, the pictures. And then a man showed up asking for her. <sighs> yeah, was he a real man or a ghost man? I don't know. I think he was real. I think he was on the up and up. <laughs> okay. But they had to be like, she doesn't live here, but also she doesn't live here because she doesn't like exist on earth anymore. Oh, man, that's tough. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I don't think I've ever lived somewhere where someone died. Uh, probably shouldn't say this on pod. Someone may have died in this house. We just don't know. <gasps> you don't have to disclose in Texas. Well, the house was inherited. I'm scared. Oh inherited. The woman who. Wait, can I sold- ask why you don't want to tell us on the pod? Are you scared that the ghost is going to come for you? Uh, it's suicide. Uh-uh. Oh, okay. I don't want to talk about that that much. But uh, yeah, the woman we inherited or inherit, bought it from inherited it from her father who committed suicide. And we don't know if it happened here or somewhere else. So. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Well, we'll say it didn't happen there. Yeah. For your. <laughs> well, I've tonight. had no vibes. That's what's so weird is like I thought that just everyone was scared of ghosts all the time and had haunted vibes in their house until I lived in houses where it doesn't have that wild i know that feeling i've had that feeling before of like ooh, bad vibes uh, something like it almost does feel like a pressure on you you know what the feeling is or at least to me you know when you're like walking to your car and you start thinking about like what if someone is here and then you go super quickly to your car and you like get in and lock the door yeah like that feeling of like imminent yeah, like get out, get out, get, get out. out, get out, get out. Yes, I've had that feeling when I walked in somewhere for no reason. Yeah. Oh, okay, yes. So these people didn't have that feeling, which maybe they should have because things are about to get weird. So, um, yeah, I mean, basically, like I said, they find out it's a funeral home. They're not thrilled that they didn't know about this beforehand, but they're not going to move out because of it and in fact the two oldest brothers were teenagers and they ended up living in the basement um for their i'm I'm assuming their entire stay in this house so um it's not long after this that actual like paranormal stuff starts to happen and it starts happening with the kids first which makes sense like we said they're a little more open to things Um, And for a long time, the parents don't believe them. And so it's stuff like things disappearing, cold spots, hearing, you know, things that go bump in the night, whatever. And they're telling their parents, telling their parents. Parents are like, no. Um, But, um, and not just that their parents are saying no, but they're like, okay, the kids know we live in a house that used to be a funeral home. They're kind of scared. They're also kind of playing off of each other's fears, we're just going to let it play out and it'll get old. Um, but then Carmen sees actual ghosts. Um, there are two ghosts that different members of the family saw. One is a man with long black hair and high cheekbones. Um, and the second was a man with white hair and white eyes in a pinstripe tuxedo. The Night Oh, the Night King with business cash. Yes, yeah, the Night King... <laughs> For a night on the town, for sure. Nice. 
Um, yeah, so they start seeing a ghost. They start hearing voices uh, that aren't attached to actual people. And they also heard what sounded like uh, like hundreds of birds taking flight at once. Oh, that's creepy. In that's, their house. I wouldn't have thought that's an inherently creepy sound, but like when there's no birds, that's not. Oh my gosh. And it's something that I wouldn't have ever, I, I almost am like more prone to believe them because I'm like, you would never just think of that. But then once I heard it, I was like, no, that's one of the most terrifying things I've ever heard of. Um, I had a friend who we would always talk about the creepiest like thing to wake up to. <laughs> this was another like we uh, at my old work, we would come up with lists like everyone would write, you know, the worst word they could think of stuff like that. But like one of the little memes we had going around. This is pre cell phones also, by the way. <laughs> I was just like, you to... guys did not have enough business. No, in. we like... did not. And we had to entertain ourselves somehow. But one of the questions that we would go around with, what would be the creepiest thing to wake up to? And one guy said, um, someone wearing night goggles an inch from your face and they say, how now, brown cow? <laughs> <laughs> Which would be terrible. Um, but the other idea that me and my friend had was to hear like the thwapping of like birds against your ceiling, like hundreds of birds yes. in your room. Well, that's what this was. And I'm going to tell you actually what the worst thing to wake up to is in a little while, but these are bad. And when I wrote these notes, I was reading about it. And so I just wrote like, oh, they heard different things. Scary. But then I watched a video of them talking about it. And it was like one of them would wake up to really loud 1930s music. And it wasn't just voices, but it would be like three old men chatting with each other. Like just <laughs> talking about nothing. Kind of like you would at a funeral, like in the lobby or something. But the other person wouldn't wake up. So it's not like actually out. Oh. It's like one person could hear it and the other. It was so weird when they were describing it. And it's so. This is happening. Um, there's the smell of rotting flesh that would pop up, which I've heard that before. Um, and actually my mom, when we interviewed her, would say that when she lived in a haunted house, that would happen. Um, well, I don't remember that from her interview. Yeah. They, the room would just fill with it, their front room. And they actually had, I think more than once, they had an inspector come because they thought something had died in their walls. Wow. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so the smell of rotting flesh. And then another thing that would happen is their bed when they were sleeping would vibrate but they said it was actually, and um, their niece said this would happen to her too. It wasn't just vibrating. It was like pulsing, like a heartbeat. And even if you weren't in the bed, you could go and feel it. It was oh like it was God. alive. I know. Oh, that's so much creepier than just vibrating. I know. Um, and then they started to hear like footsteps and feel pressure, um, like sitting on their bed. But they said the feet... It sounded like a cat, like little feet. But when it would sit on the bed, it was like the weight of a man. Cute. Cute until. <laughs> That's a Jonathan Van Ness cute. <laughs> oh my gosh. But a ghost cat. Can you imagine? Um, He's also a cat person, by the way. Jonathan Van Ness. And he has a cat named Liza or Bug. He had a cat named Liza and a cat named Bug. That's right. We're best friends. Yeah. Um, Anyway. Back to the scariest shit that's ever been. 
Yeah, um, no, this is all really creepy. I don't know if I'm using like changing the subject as a coping technique or what, but I'm a little scared. No, in my it's house. it's gonna get worse. I'm adequately scared. I didn't mean I'm not. I'm like only a little scared by you. No, you're doing great being scared. Emma. I love your hot spicy meat. Oh, I thought you were gonna say my hot spicy pad thai that's sitting on the floor. Bean sprouts. Okay, so uh, some other things that are happening. That's like all in the bedroom. Um, but another like just weird thing that happened is once when Carmen was mopping in the basement, which is where the um morgue for the mortuary had been, where she found all that weird stuff. She was mopping, and the water turned dark, deep red. And she said it was so like dark that she was scared it was going to when she put it on the floor she was scared it was going to ruin the floors um and then and this is like honestly i don't say i don't know if i've ever said this on the podcast and i don't say it lightly but like trigger warning for anyone sexual assault things of that nature um because both carmen uh their niece and al the husband um claim for lack of a better way to put it uh that this like presence whatever it was raped them and or sodomized them so oh okay i i read a book recently that i just happened upon on ibooks and it's called the loveliest dead and as some people think it's based on the warrens and one of their cases and i think mm. has something to do with this okay it took me a second. Like, when people say they have sex with ghosts, like, celebrities have said it. Consensual. Yeah. There's the woman who's, like, only having sex with ghosts now when she wants to get pregnant, which is impossible no matter what you believe. Yeah, I have her. hard news for her. Yeah, yeah. There's this thing called science. Um. Anyway, point is, I was always like, I don't even, I can't comprehend, like, what you're saying is going on. But when they explained it, it actually... I won't say it made sense to me, but I understood it. So the niece, when she was telling her story, it started with her. And she came home from a date and she was going to sleep. And it was like her bra wouldn't stay up. And she kept having to like pull her bra up. Um, and like her underwear. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. I know. I know. And it's like terrifying. And she like went in her the parents' room. Um it's awful. That's why I said like yeah. trigger warning because it's an it's truly a bodily assault even though the perpetrator isn't like human flesh. And so, um, but they would say this mass would come into the room with the little feet and that, but the heavy weight, and it would like take them over completely, like their entire body. They couldn't move. They couldn't say anything. They were so scared. And then it would like penetrate them in some way. And mm-hmm. so for Al, that was being sodomized for the women it was both um oh my god which is horrible and so scary and just awful in so many ways and at one point carmen who's the mom was saying like i was running out of the house and running away and it was still happening like it you couldn't get away from it um and that is all i'm gonna say about that but it's a big part of their story and so I felt that I needed to share it. Um, And it's hard to know what the final straw was for this family as far as contacting help. I would think that probably was part of it. 
Um, but another part is that their oldest son, the one who had cancer, um, his personality started to change. And he, not only were they having this like mass in the home that was like a poltergeist, or I guess actually it's like an, is it an incubus or succubus? I don't know the difference between those two. Anyway, whichever one it is, it's either an incubus or succubus, or maybe it's both, is like a demon or a poltergeist that's focused on sexualized things. Anyway, it's hard to know kind of what the last straw is. Obviously, we're getting there with these assaults that are happening to them. But um, on top of all of this, they're... The Seneca's oldest son, the one who has Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, his personality is starting to change. And um, he is getting moody. He is becoming dark and brooding. Um, but he's also writing poetry with what is, like, direct quote, necrophiliac themes. Great. Great. Everything is not going well for this family. Um, and he was also becoming, like, physically violent. So on one hand, they have this black mass that is wrecking havoc in their lives. And now their actual, like, flesh and blood son is doing the same. And um, this reached ahead when he actually tried to sexually assault his niece. Like, in real life. I know. It's not good. We're almost through with this section. But um, after this, his family did right by everyone, I would say. Got him help. He ended up going to, like, an outpatient place for 45 days and gets diagnosed with schizophrenia. Some people say he was possessed by a demon. He got better when he was there and came back and the demon took him over again. I think that's a really dangerous thing to do with mental illness. Personally, I probably the stress of having cancer and living in a home where these things are happening didn't help, but I'm not going to say that he wasn't actually ill. That's irresponsible. Anyway, somewhere at this time, right, they end up calling the Warrens. And, well, one last thing that happened that I'll say was... Carmen, the mom, ended up actually being possessed by this mass that was living in their house. And so for most of the time, it would, like, overcome them. They couldn't move. They couldn't say anything. They were terrified. But one time, it, like, entered her, and she left where she was. And she went to a place called Ethrim. And she said it was, like, as soon as she got there, she knew that the, the things she saw were, like, lost souls. And she felt the weight of their sadness and stuff, which is awful. However, I have to show you, I, I screenshotted, because this isn't a video, she had this sketch with her, and I have to show you. Oh, no. <laughs> I have to show you. <laughs> I see your face when I hear your voice. What this is. And they were dead serious about thinking that this was going to convince people that this actually happened which i'm not saying it didn't happen i'm just saying this is not the way to people's hearts yeah i feel like uh in the episode 
about the girls, the ghost who solved their own murders, and they <laughs> the husband who killed his wife, and we saw the picture he drew in prison, and I was like, oh, dude, that isn't... <laughs> yeah. Get your shit together. Don't, don't drop out of you. I mean, it looked just, like a yeah. five-year-old drew Yeah, exactly. It, like... Okay, well, I just sent you. Oh, I see. It looks like tater tots. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it looks like is... Google poor unfortunate souls. Yes, right. that's exactly what it looks like from <laughs> Little Mermaid. It's yeah. Not, again, I am not. Um, a lot of what they say, I think, even if it didn't happen, I think that they believe what they're saying. And so I don't want to make light of like their trauma, but this specific image, and we'll put it on Instagram, is not. They're holding it up as if to be like, "Do you see?" This is where the demon took me, and you will believe me based on this sketch. Yeah, I guess if you're not equipped with great skills, like, you just do what you can, and you do what you can do about it. No. Um, (laughs) I just feel like they spent a disproportionate amount of time on the sign, the shading of the sign, and not enough on the lost soul. I don't know if they even needed to draw the picture. I mean, it didn't lend much. No, it I it I think it detracted from yes, uh, yeah, the severity of what was happening. Anyway, yes. point is at at some point, Carmen says enough is enough. She calls the Warrens, and the cor- Warrens come to their house and live with them for nine weeks. Wow, yeah, and they sleep in the master bedroom, which is the senator's bedroom. They observe everything, um, and they from the get go see what the Snedekers are talking about. People are being punched, scratched, pulled to the ground. One thing that the Warrens actually experienced while they were there is they were sleeping in the master bedroom, which is one of the beds that had the heartbeat and like all of this stuff. And what they experienced was, um, if you'll remember, I said there was in the basement, there was uh, like a pulley system of chains Mm-hmm. where you could like prep the body in the basement morgue, put it into the coffin, and then use these chains to pull the coffin up through this trap door that went into like the viewing room. And the viewing room was now the master bedroom. So while they were sleeping, they would hear these chains start to go oh, down no. below them. And nobody was down there. The kids weren't down there anymore. Like, yes talk about something so scary um and they after their nine weeks it's and it's not just them either it's like a an entire team is staying researching taking notes whatever um after nine weeks the warrens say you need the whole shebang you need an exorcism um one thing that the warrens said that they found in their research um, which can't be substantiated, but they said they found that one of the, uh, let's see, undertakers at the mortuary had actually been found guilty of necrophilia, which oh. if you'll remember, the Senate started writing that poetry about it. Yeah. Um, it might, it might uh, help explain some of the sexual violence that was going on. Um, but again, there, there's no record of this. That being said, this, like, haunting is happening in the 1980s. The 
house itself was a mortuary from like the 20s to the 50s so it could have been a record that doesn't exist anymore just from carelessness you know mm-hmm. nothing was digitalized so we don't really know but um regardless the warrens decide that this house needs a full-on exorcism they bring in a team of priests um and the warrens claim the house cleared i don't know if that's true but i do know that the Snedekers would end up living in the house for two years um and yeah and after that, they've not had any other trouble anywhere else they've lived. Um, they're actually all still alive, except for the son who had cancer, who actually went into remission, had a life, had kids. Um, but then his cancer came back and he passed away, I believe, in 2012. But other than that, they're all still alive and well, but they still stick to this story to this day. Um so the Snedekers did end up obviously getting kind of fame around this case. After it happened, they did like an entire press circuit where they were on talk shows. That's what I watched, which was amazing. I'm going to tell you more about it in just a second. But it was like, not Jenny Craig. What's the lady's name? Well, it was kind of like Jerry Springer almost. Like everyone talking at once. Amazing. Rachel Ray. Yes, they did a cooking show where. In- Wait, who? <laughs> okay, so Rachel. Ricky Roy. Lake is who I was thinking. Ricky of, Lake, yeah. Well, do you remember with Becky with the good hair, the Anse lemonade? Yeah, that of people thought that Rachel Roy was the one that they yes. were talking about, and then Rachel Ray, the cooking show host, got all these death threats <laughs> yes. like, "You fucked Jay Z, fuck you." Can you even imagine if that was true? Good <laughs> lord, people. Um, but yes, no, they were on this like 80s show that was kind of like Ricky Lake. Um, but they had documentaries made. And then when The Haunting of Connecticut came out, I know that the Warrens were, what's the word when you're like, not a consultant, but like a, well, maybe it is a consultant. Yeah. Anyway, I know they were, and I actually think at least the mom in this case might have been too, but basically with this fame came a lot of backlash um, on every level. So the guy who wrote the book for them uh, was hired by the Warrens, and he would come out later saying, a lot of this isn't true. The family gave completely different versions of things there's a lot of drug use there was a lot of mental illness um in the family like basically he couldn't write it when he told the warrens like this story isn't adding up um he claims that ed warren was like yeah they're absolutely insane but we hired you because you know how to write scary stories so take what you can make up the rest and just make it really scary and so that came out. Um, and there were a lot of neighbors, too, which the thing I watched was basically this family telling their story and then neighbors just yelling at them about how it's not true. <laughs> and then other yell- neighbors yelling at those neighbors that it was true. It was just pandemonium. But um, a lot of neighbors would come out and say, I've never seen anything weird, no priests in the area, 
did an exorcism here. They're lying. They're making the whole thing up. Um, and not only that, but people who lived in the house before them and who lived in the after them are like, we've never had any problems. And even the people who lived above them, because if you remember, it's a duplex, said they had never experienced anything. So that's kind of where it ends. It's like, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. Um, I want to tell you about a couple neighbors who I think clear some things up, but also because they're hilarious, um, but kind of paints a picture. So one of the women in this video was saying that she started hearing rumors. And you could, I think that, I think two things were going on with people who didn't believe them. Because it's not just that they didn't believe them, but they were angry about these claims. And one, I think, is that it's like, it's their neighborhood and it's scary and they don't want to believe that something like this could happen. But then some, one of the researchers for the Warrens brought up that um, they asked one of them point blank, how much is the landlord of this building paying you to be here and say this isn't true? And he oh. wouldn't answer. Oh, Zam. Yeah. So, but these people were adamant. So one lady even went as far as when she started hearing these rumors, she got a notebook that she brought with her and she kept it by her bed. And anytime she woke up in the middle of the night, she wrote down what she, the date and what she woke up for. And then she went back and like cross compared that with all of these claims that these people made. And she was like, that was a car backfiring. This was nerdy wells in the neighborhood or whatever nerdy wells nerdy wells um to which the family was like that's fine if that's what was going on outside of the house that doesn't explain like my bed pulsating you know yeah um but there was one neighbor oh and another thing that they said is uh these neighbors were like you guys didn't have any problems until you were three months behind on your rent and couldn't pay and then you started saying it was haunted oh um but that sounds like our tenants <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean there's there's something to be said for that and and i'll get into my thoughts in just a second but the last thing i'll say is there was a neighbor there were two neighbors who kind of defended them and one said that she had visited another neighbor who they were mutual friends with uh she and the senecers and this neighbor had all of her kids had crucifixes around their neck she had crucifixes in her house and it was like kind of off-putting and so this neighbor was like what's going on and she was like i went and visited the snedekers um and a few things had happened one was like she got pinched like on the ass really hard and couldn't explain it well that's and, just like um, a friendly greeting that's just a handsy hello yeah um <laughs> well it scared her enough basically enough happened to her where it scared her um and well, then sorry i was gonna say oh, the rent situation is this a chicken or an egg type of deal like were they not able to work as much or like mm. you know all their time is consumed by this energy and they can't make rent or is it you know they can't make yeah. rent and they're making shit up well, and this is what I would say is that um, another one of the neighbors in this video was like, 
is it not true that your son was doing hard drugs during this time? I knew him. And it's like, yes, he was. And yes, you know, there was mental illness obviously happening. And maybe they weren't being able to make ends meet. And obviously, like, their son had cancer. That's not cheap to do treatments. Like, there are so many things. But I don't see that as disqualifying their story. I think that it actually, to me, makes sense when you think of the fact that nobody else had this happen to them in the same space. It's like, well, it's not just the space. It's this perfect storm of adolescents under stress and um, parents who are at their wit's end. And there's like a lot of things going on that could exacerbate oh, already yeah. existing. Yeah, I mean, substance abuse, mental illness, all that stuff leaves the door wide open for paranormal activity yeah <laughs> don't you dare start one two and three. Movie. Oh my god <laughs> um uh for any new listeners this happens at least one. i love episode. paranormal activity one two and three and also legends of the i was fall. about to check say, them before out before it's over we'll talk about legends of the fall as well yeah. um no but the the other thing that struck me is we've talked about it before poltergeist Far and away, the thing that causes them, or maybe not causes them, but brings them Far out. and away is also a great film. Oh, my God. <laughs> Kill you. <laughs> um, oh, but <laughs> now I can't say far and away. Damn it. Uh, bar none. There's not a movie that's bar none, or at least not one that we've seen. Uh, the thing that exacerbates this poltergeist energy is adolescence under stress and a lot of times it's a female energy and yes the son was going through all of these things um, but the other person who was hit the hardest other than the parents by this case was their niece who was living with them because her parents were going through this awful divorce um so it's just something to think about but yeah i mean it is hard because a lot of people think that this family was on hard times. They, and I, I see this, they moved into this place that had this really interesting backstory of like still having the mortuary like feel to it. And they saw that the Warrens had made, um, is it the Lutz family, the Amityville family? I don't remember. Okay, I think it is the Lutz family, but it doesn't matter. Point is, they saw this family get rich with the Amityville horror story, and they decided to do this thing. But when well, you and Satanic Panic, right? Yes, exactly. In the eighties, absolutely right. And so there's like a lot of reasons why. Yes, maybe so. But then you you see to me watching the niece talk about this thing, like pulling her bra down and not being able to do anything about it. I don't know, at least her part of the story, I just believed. And I believe their fear. So I don't know what happened. I don't know how much of it is true and how much isn't. But I definitely think that that family went through something in that space. Yeah, I same. That is the story of The Haunting in Connecticut. Okay, so we do have plenty more about the Warrens and some of their notorious cases, um, but that is it for today. Anything else you have? No, that's it. You guys stay 
safe. Be alert. If there's chains in your basement, you might, you know, just check on that. Just check on <laughs> just that. Check on I it. don't know. Um, yeah. It's late. <laughs> it's late. <laughs> it's late. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely uh, trust your senses and your mind and not the things in your basement. Yeah, never trust the things in your basement. The attic, maybe you can give them the benefit of the doubt every now and again, but basement. Yeah, like a hot country attic. No, there's, if you've seen Paranormal Activity 1, 2, or 3, you'll see that the attic can't always be trusted. (laughs) (laughs) Patreon episode for the future. I've never seen them, and I've also never seen Legend of the Fall. (laughs) I'm hanging up. (laughs) I know. (laughs) That silence was too long to be natural. I realize that you're upset. Oh, no, Um, I just, I have too much to say that I can't possibly. Okay, well, let's go ahead and uh, hop off of this before our friendship falls apart. Um, Yeah, you guys, we're, thank you for listening. Thank you for making it to the end. If you're still here, I'm just going to throw it out just real quick. Uh, Be sure to rate us and review us. Um, Super helpful. If you have a story of your own or any listener suggestions, we absolutely love doing that. Um, you can let us know, www.booyallpodcast.com. Contact. There's a little, we make it easy for you. Just go jot your little story and send it our way. Um, follow us on Instagram at Podcast, Twitter at Pod, and Facebook if that's your jam. A lot of people have been doing that actually lately. Yeah, Facebook. And it's fun. Cool. My 18-year-old sister has a Facebook now, even though I think she said it was me. Spencer said it was lame, too. He said it was only for moms. That might be true. Also, saying www before a web address, I saw a meme, is like saying United States at the end of your home address. <laughs> it's true. I know. H-T-T-P-S. Yeah, that's what I like. Yeah. But, okay. okay. Well, I did the best Booyah. I could. All right. Boo y'all, bye y'all.